You're listening to Sustainably Geeky, the podcast for everyday environmentalists. Hi, you're listening to Sustainably Geeky. I'm your host, Jennifer, and today I'm joined by Jen. What's up, guys? (laughs) And our special guest is Steve Brown, president of Capital Assets. Um, Steve is going to talk to us today about solar and energy efficiency. And his career started over 20 years ago in government relations and public affairs. Um, He began at the White House as an intern in the Office of Legislative Affairs and um, has worked in a lot of different departments. He worked for U.S. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee and then uh, for the Texas Medical Association. Um, He's also worked for the American Heart Association and after um, founding Capital Assets, a public, a full-service public affairs firm um, that specializes in lobbying, issue campaigns, and public relations. Um, so he's also uh, very involved in a lot of different organizations. Has worked with the Environmental Defense Fund um, and a lot of different um, nonprofits. So Steve, can you kind of, uh, you know, tell us a little bit more about your organization and what got you into the energy field? Yeah, well, first, thank you all for having me uh, on the podcast today. It is a a delight to be able to share with you. Um, Yeah, so Capital Assets, as you mentioned, actually started out as a public affairs uh, lobbying government affairs uh, organization, um, kind of, you know, dovetailing into my time experience working at the Capitol and for elected officials uh, in Texas. and so it was spelled capital C A P I T O L um, first, uh, as in the state capital. Uh, and then in 2014, I ran for Texas Railroad Commissioner, uh, which is the agency that regulates the oil and gas industry, and had a um, uh, an awakening of sorts uh, as it relates to the career trajectory that I wanted to take. I'm, you know, I, I knew I didn't want to necessarily go back to uh, the Capitol. Uh, the Capitol had become less fun uh, over the last couple of sessions, um, primarily because of the quality of of of, of, of talent um, that has been attracted to that 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 business. Um, and the process of influencing people based on data and facts and science um, no longer exists uh, the way in which I had um, I've been used to. So um, I took the experience, um, you know, running statewide for a position that talks only about energy policies. Uh, and at that time, as you might remember, we were in the middle of a fracking boom in 2014. Uh, and with that fracking boom came uh, unintended consequences as it relates to earthquakes uh, in, in uh, North Texas, as it relates to um, methane emissions uh, in Eagle Fort Shell, Permian Basin, uh, as it relates to um, what to do with the with, with water uh, and protecting our water resources, and then making sure that contaminated um, produced water didn't contaminate into uh, into streams that we need for for drinking. And so I decided to shift then from a, a solely public affairs firm. I still do public affairs. Um, but now the public affairs that I do is focused on um, the environment, it's, ver- it's focused on climate, it's focused on environmental justice um, uh, on that side. And then in addition to that, we help to develop and finance uh, clean energy projects throughout the state. 
which is I think what we'll probably probably be discussing quite a bit today uh, on the uh, on the podcast. But generally speaking, we look to finance projects that will produce energy savings, um, water savings, um, you know, connect to a renewable source grid uh, like like solar um, and uh, and allow for more people to have access to those resources. Um, than than what exists today. So you uh, you all primarily worked in Texas, correct? Yes, exclusively in Texas. In okay. Texas. So the um, the financing you're talking about is that for individuals, businesses, both? Um, all of the above, actually. Um, okay. Projects that we've done uh, have been for commercial um, properties or commercial property owners, uh, industrial property owners. Um, some small businesses, uh, we're looking to grow into the residential market. Uh, we're looking to grow into the more into the small business market, nonprofits. Um, though that's the, the market segment that I believe is being left behind in this energy transition. Um, the, the companies like a Starbucks and a IKEA and, and those folks, they can make commitments to go 100% green and they have the resources to be able to back that up. Uh, and the same could be said for fluid families, you know, um, families that are making over 100000 a year. Um, they have the resources to put solar on their roofs or to buy Tesla. Um, but but low-income communities, um, nonprofits, small businesses, they don't have those same resources. And quite frankly, they don't have the same access to capital that the other folks have. And so what will happen is that there will be a growing divide, a growing green energy divide between the have and have not, just like with everything else. Uh, but if we don't do something about it now, um, that gap will only grow further and further. And the outcome of something like that would be the fact that um, if your affluent families and your big businesses are off the grid, so to speak, right? Um, but yet the grid still exists, power plants still exist, they still need to be paid for. Uh, well, who do you think will shoulder the burden of the cost that still need to be recouped? Well, it's going to be poor people. And, and they're the ones that, that can least support it. And so there is damage that can be done if we're not lifting all the boats at the same time uh, and, uh, and, you know, as we make this transition to the future. That's a great point. I think um, we're we're all realizing that the ones who cause the least damage are the ones that end up having to pay for it the most and mm -hmm. not just monetarily, but in every every way. So mm -hmm. um, that's great that that's a focus of yours and, and that you guys are, are working to bring equity to that that segment absolutely. of society. Yeah, um, so I guess let's start out by talking about solar, which is what you guys primarily work in and mm -hmm. um, kind of the benefits as an individual or as a business, how, how do I kind of go about getting solar and, and why would I want to do that? Well, obviously the, the cost of solar has, um, has dropped exponentially, um, say over the last 10 years or so. Um, it's far cheaper to, to, to purchase solar for your rooftops or for your business than it was a while back. And those costs are continuing, continuing to drop. Um, and we should see that continue to happen. Um, on, on the utility scale, you see now that solar, utility scale solar is comparable to uh, natural gas as an energy source. Um, far outpaced coal. In fact, um, you know, we beat coal a long time ago. I have no idea 
why we still burn coal in this in this world um, when there are cleaner, more affordable options on the table, right? Um, be that as it may, um, you know, not only do you have the benefit of, of being able to um, purchase this this resource uh, more affordably now, um, but you also have the benefit of a, a tax cut um, that still exists for for people who are looking to um, uh, to, to to shed as a tax burden, um, uh, as well as in some places you have net metering, which allows you to get credit for any access power that you generate from the from the solar system that on, on your rooftop uh, and sell that back to the grid and get a credit for that. Um, in Texas, our net metering policies are not um, uniform. And so you, you as, a, as a buyer, you may not know from one region to the next uh, whether or not your retail electric retail provider offers that as an option. Um, which should be fixed, but something needs to be fixed in the state, not only in terms of making it uniform, um, but also in terms of allowing for virtual net metering to take effect as well. So what that is, is that basically, if the solar is not on your rooftop, um, but yet you're using it, say that there's a community solar um, system that you're, that you're paying into, um, th that community solar system that is not on your rooftop, but yet you're still paying into it, um, you cannot use that for net metering either, right? And so that's called, that would be called virtual net metering. Um, so between the ITC, uh, which is the tax cut, the, um, the possibility of net metering, um, and there's still some counties throughout the state with some different rebates, uh, kind of on, on a county by county basis. Um, it makes a lot of sense. And lastly, if you're a homeowner, um, there's a lot of research that shows that, uh, having, uh, solar, on your roof actually increases the value of your property uh, so that when you look to, uh, to put it on the market, you'll be able to sell it at a higher price because of the solar on the rooftop. Yeah, so there's a lot of great reasons to get solar. Are there any things other than, um, like you mentioned, the cost that might prevent someone from getting investing in solar? Because um, it does seem a little daunting, you know, if you're a mm -hmm. homeowner and you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that I would say that would be the first thing is is the uh, the knowledge gap, uh, and and feeling comfortable enough to know that you're you are making a good deal that uh, the value of the system that you're installing uh, will pay for itself at a rate that makes sense for your wallet. Um, there are some programs um, that we can talk about uh, later, uh, particularly for small businesses or for businesses. And, uh, and industrial organizations and things of that nature. But there's programs that can allow for financing to take place with no money down, uh, where the financing, that's your cash flow, the cash flow positive from day one, uh, because essentially what you're doing is that you're saving um, and, and that saving is paying for the system itself. And so there are ways to structure a financing tool around solar, around energy efficiency, around you name it, where the savings that was associated with that improvement actually pays for the improvement. Uh, and, uh, and I think that as folks become more and more aware um, that you know, going green is actually feasible for them, uh, that they will begin to look at those types of funding, uh, those financing uh, mechanisms and be able to, to, to take advantage of them. Now you mentioned tax credits. Um, is that 
specifically state or are there still federal tax credits? Federal, yeah. Yeah, the ITC was, was, uh, was extended, um, if I'm not mistaken, the last, in the last COVID bill, um, okay. the, 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 the last one that we had. Um, and, and even, you know, to that, as you look towards the future, um, you know, looking at uh, a stimulus package that uh, I know that the Biden administration will like to, to put forth and get passed uh, has a great opportunity to continue to deploy these resources uh, throughout the throughout the United States, uh, particularly in areas where um, otherwise they might not have access to these resources. Yeah, that's awesome that um, that those credits are available to folks. And and if you don't live in Texas, you know you can always check your state as well to see if there's state incentives um, in addition yeah. to federal. So. Um, <clears throat> Well, one more one more thing before we move on. Um, you mentioned, you know, you can get you can install this stuff on your home, your rooftop. If I'm going to an organization that does this professionally, is there a certification or something I need to look for so that I don't, you know, pick somebody that doesn't know what they're doing? Yeah, in, in most cases, in order to get the rebates, um, the utility itself probably has a pre-approved list of contractors. And you can go onto the utilities website to um, to look up their energy efficiency, our solar rebate. And with those, it will require that someone who's already been pre-screened by that utility has to do that work um, because they know that those folks are, um, uh, you know, are qualified to be able to do the work. So it's on a, on a kind of a, a regulatory entity by regulatory entity basis. Um, but if you know who you're, your uh, utility is, then typically you can look on their website to find out, you know, who, who some good contacts are. Awesome. I do have That's a question. <laughs> so every time I log into my computer, I have the news feeds that pop up mm -hmm. and there's always one like almost every day. And it's like, don't pay for solar. You know, you can basically get it installed for free kind of thing. And so my brain is always like, oh, that's a scam. And so mm -hmm. I just don't like read it or mm -hmm. I'll see it on Facebook, like same thing. Like if there's some sort of, it seems like an advertisement of some yeah. sort for a company, but do you, can you talk to that at all? Uh, well, I, I can't speak to the, um, to, to the exact company, obviously. Um, but the, the, the fact that um, the, the cost of installing solar has dropped so um, exponentially, like I said before, it's true, it's real, right? Um, it does cost less. Uh, the, the rate of return and the return on your investment is a lot faster um, than it would have been 10 years ago, for instance. So those things, those things are, are true. And then, you know, the financing tool that are used varies, uh, kind of depends on, on your taste, right? And so we spoke of earlier about kind of a, uh, a loan product where, you might uh, put some money down uh, and then pay off the system over, you know, 10 years, 15 years, what have you. The useful life of these systems are probably about 25 to 30 years. Uh, so you'll you'll definitely get your money worth, you know, from the system. That that part of it is is very much true. Um, there are also lease agreements that um, that someone might want to look into where. Um, you don't own the system, you're just leasing it. And so there's an agreed upon rate to which uh, you're paying for that system. And typically the rate is set in a way that it is going to save you money. So you are going to pay less 
than what you're saving, right? Um, and and there, there are ways to kind of break down those, those numbers as well. And so between a loan, paying for it outright out of your own pocket, if you have $16,000, you know, whatever laying around, um, a lease agreement where someone owns it, but yet you are, you're, you're paying for your usage of it, right? Um, at a rate that is below what you would otherwise pay for energy, right? And, and, and then the other part of it, and, you know, um, you know, just for your, your viewers, um, just so you, that your viewers know, uh, my firm, although we work in this space, we are a finance firm. We just finance in this space. And so we have access to different financing tools um, to allow us to, to do this. And one of those tools is called PACE, or Property Assessed Clean Energy. Uh, it is a program that we have here in Texas. And I think in about 30 or so odd states uh, in, in, in America, they have the PACE program. Um, right now, PACE is only for commercial businesses, nonprofits, industrial firms, um, uh, and it's not for new construction, it's not for single family housing, right? And so um, because of that, I don't do a lot of financing on the single family homes, uh, although I would love to, and I'm, I'm hoping to develop something soon that can service that need. Um, but PACE is unique in that it is a financing tool where you are allowed to um, you are allowed to receive financing for energy improvements, whether they're solar, energy efficiency, water conservation, uh, resiliency measures as well. Um, it requires that for every dollar you spend on this investment, you, you need to save at least a dollar uh, throughout the life of the investment, right? And so the loans can go from 10 years to 25 years in some cases kind of matching the useful life of the equipment that's being installed, right? And so, but what makes it unique is that because you can stretch out payments that long and you own the system, but because you can pay for, you can stretch out the payments for so long, you end up saving more money each year than you are, than, than you are paying back the loan. And with PACE, it's an annual repayment. And so the, uh, the payments actually track your property taxes. And so when you get your property tax you know, bill in the mail in October, um, there will be a line item on there that says pay financing and you will pay that back when you pay back your property taxes. It's a really neat concept. It, you know, I, I, I really do um, love it. And I, and I wish that we could, we could grow the pace market in Texas a bit more. Right now, you know, the, the, the big box malls, and some of the, you know, ritzy, you know, new mixed development, redevelopment companies, they're taking advantage of it. Um, but it has not penetrated down to the local level where um, more businesses are aware that it's, that it's out there. And if, if they did, I think that we would be able to um, make this trend, this green transition a lot faster and a lot easier um, through the access to this capital. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. Jen, did you have another question? Um, I was just going to uh, say that I know you mentioned solar is, you know, the cost has come down exponentially, um, but also I, you know, hear that it's it's one of the fastest growing in not only installations, but also in jobs and yeah. um, yeah. not just in the state of Texas, but across the country. And and mm -hmm. I, I believe I heard that Texas is either first or second in solar. Second. Is that correct? Second. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're number two. 
um, and solar. I mean, we're, we're, we're really up there as it relates, not just to solar, but also wind, obviously. We are uh, a leader in wind production and uh, globally, actually. Uh, and then again, you know, in terms of energy efficiency, and I, I can't, uh, I can't stress this enough that when we, when we think about the green energy transition, that transition has to be extended to not just, you know, the renewables, which, which are great, um, but some of the low hanging fruit of being able to switch out of HVAC, uh, with something that was, was, that you've had for 15 years and switch it out something that is up to date and current and is a lot more energy efficient than, than what you have, you know, from 15 years ago. Um, your LED lights, again, low hanging fruit, uh, your windows and doors, um, the window installation and, 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 and our, our, uh, window tinting, uh, your doors, your installation. Um, these are all easy ways to reduce energy consumption, uh, for a lot of families, for a lot of businesses. And, and if we could do that, um, that will eat into a huge chunk, uh, a huge chunk into the, uh, the CO2 emissions that, that we're trying to get reduced now. If we're able to transition to energy efficiencies alone would take a lot of that off the table and really work, work to reduce our, our CO2 emissions. You're speaking Jen's language. She's all about lead and yeah, <laughs> getting yeah. our buildings nice and, and uh, efficient. So yeah, Jen, did you want to go ahead and jump in? Yeah, so I think we're just wondering, you know, right now, what are some of the challenges we're facing to make the transition fully mm -hmm. to renewable energy? Yeah, I think I think one of the basic challenges and, um, and I, you know, I, I have to put on my public policy hat on uh, a bit, but I think I think one of the basic challenges is uh, an educated uh, voter base. I think it is um, bad policymakers getting elected. I think, um, oddly enough, I think extreme partisan gerrymandering is probably one of the biggest impediments to um, to actually doing the right thing. And and by that I mean, um, you know, we're going through a redistricting session this session. If not this session, will be a special session. Um, based on the new census count. And if we continue to, um, to draw districts whereby only the primary, um, candidate, whoever wins the primary wins the race, then we continue to elect, um, people who aren't representing the entirety of, of the district anymore because they don't have to compete for the other people. All they're competing is to be the most right, um, or, or the, are the most extreme. Uh, uh, in the race, in the contest. And so what you get out of those, that supply pool of the folks competing to be the most extreme are, you know, the, the, the worst of the flat, of the flat earthers, right? The, the, the folks who uh, believe in conspiracy theories, the, the, the folks who, 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 who don't understand growth and opportunity. Um, the folks who, who, who prefer, you know, that we go back to coal and go back to older, um, brown energy, a, you know, sources, right? The cave people, citizens against virtually everything, cave people. There you go, there you go, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so I think part of it is um, improving our democracy. I think that is um, the, the, the biggest impediment. Uh, and, you know, be, be, because, because our democracy has suffered um, mightily over the last 10 years, and, and, and I will, I think there is a definitive clock that started in 2000 and technically 2008, but it took effect in 2011 um, when 
a ton of people across the country who were not qualified for the positions that they ran for, got elected, and were in, in control of drawing the map to get themselves reelected. <laughs> right? That was the worst thing that could have happened. And and it feeds on this uh, this sense that um, you know that that people on the fringe have the power to to elect people to to office, and then the fringe people get even more empowered to the point where you know they believe that they can elect the president. And, and guess what? They did in 2016. And, and the first thing that president did was take us out of the Paris Accord, right? And so th- these things all play together. And so I think that we have to stop. Um, picking our, our elected officials the way we, we pick, you know, the pro wrestlers that we support or root against and, uh, and, and, and look to p- pick people based on having a core competency that matches the positions that they're running for. See, once we do that, we can get people in place that can see an opportunity in how Texas and the country can lead the world in clean energy production, which also will help us to lead the world in clean energy innovation, technology, uh, jobs, um, economy, uh, all those things are tied into a lot of, you know, how we choose to pick the leaders to vote on those policies and to develop those policies. Yes to all that. And I think we have a whole other discussion about politics, but I'm going to uh, try to keep us focused here. Um, so in addition to policy changes and you know politics, um, what would it physically take to fully transition off of fossil fuels and how long do you think that would take? I think that there are uh, a lot of models out there that, um, that posit that you could do it you know, by 2050. Um, and again, I think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that's out there that, that, that can get done and so um, you know, between now and 2050, is it feasible to, to totally take us off of fossil fuels? Um, perhaps. I think that there's some, some deep carbonization that, or deep decarbonization, um, that can take place. Um, but it's going to be a lot harder, for instance, to figure out how to fly planes using renewable energy sources as opposed to, you know, how to make sure that every building in America has LED lights. Right. And so, you know, the, the, the hard stuff is the hard stuff for a reason. And, you know, that's going to be about 15 to 20% of the pie of how we get there from here. Um, but as we figure that out, um, we can also in the meantime, knock out the 80% of the things that we know are the easy things, you know, decommissioning coal plants and replacing them with, um, all the, the utility scale solar and wind that's already in queue here in, in Texas in the ERCOT system, but throughout the country, um, those plants are ready to, 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 to take on the capacity of what's being left behind when we decommission coal. Um, electric vehicles. GM announced recently that they plan to um, be 100% you know, electric by I think 2035 or something like that. So, um, you know, that's the low hanging fruit that, that, that we can do between now and 2035. I think the tougher stuff is going to take a little bit more um, capital investment. It's going to take a little bit more uh, ingenuity, um, creativity, and uh, and hopefully we can still get those things done by 2050 as well. Yeah, it's a huge infrastructure investment to switch, you know, to renewable energy. But we've done it before. I mean, we 
had to move to an electric system and, and we, you know, at one time used gas and in other forms of energy. So it's not like we can't do it. it it's going to be challenging, but we, we have to, we really don't have a choice and we've got to figure out how to make it happen. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have to, but it's not a bad thing. You know, it, it's, it's really, it's something that, um, you know, could bring about a great deal of prosperity to a lot of families. It, it could bring about better um, public health uh, to our communities. Um, it could reduce the number of days that our, our kids are sick with asthma and, and, and are away from school and uh, allow for our children to be more productive, our, our families to be more productive. I mean, it's really, um, it, it's difficult and we've made switches like this before. Um, but this is actually a switch that is that has a lot more benefits to it than uh, than the risk or the or the cost associated with it. Yeah, a lot of times people only want to see the upfront cost, but they don't mm -hmm. think about the long term savings. And <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I know you know here here in Houston we have a, a hundred year flood every five years, and so you know just imagine if that if that weren't the case, how, how much money could be saved in insurance claims. Um, be, because uh, we're not dealing with these, these massive uh, climate events uh, uh, so often. Yep. So we're all going to get Hummers at our electric vehicles? <laughs> Is that the plan? Is that our future in Texas? Because you know they don't want to give up their big trucks. <laughs> hey, you know, te Texas, we have, a, we have a different culture. And, uh, and, and, and I would say that one of the reasons that it's been difficult for us to to seriously, you know, advance financial tools to help make the transition is because um, culturally it's different for us. You know, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some education. Um, you know, I think the early adopters have uh, have already begun to um, to make the transition to make the switch. Um, I believe that you know there is a tipping point on the horizon, uh, even for Texas, and I think that that tipping point. Uh, might be more economically uh, driven than, you know, environmentally conscious or, uh, you know, social impact driven. Uh, but whatever the case may be, it, you know, I think that the tipping point is on the horizon and that we will, we will still get there. Let's hope it's sooner. Yeah. So is there anything else that consumers can do to help influence and assist in this process of switching from fossil fuel to renewables? Yes. Uh, in addition to voting uh, for climate uh, friendly uh, elected officials and candidates, um, I think that, uh, you know, we all have a role to, to, to know better um, where our power is coming from and to know whether or not uh, there are renewable options within our, our different plans um, that we purchase for our, our, our home. Um, we should also research, you know, the companies that, that we do business with and find out, you know, what their commitments are and spend our money where people are mirroring our, our values um, uh, as a people who are ready and hungry to, to make this climate transition a reality. Uh, and begin to punish pump, uh, begin to punish companies uh, that 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 seem to be stuck in the mud and uh, and are unwilling to to make that transition. Uh, and so that knowledge is is important and it's available. Um, but I think it's important for us as consumers to uh, to 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 buy products and to buy from companies um, that have a commitment to social equity 
and, and climate action, uh, as well as uh, putting pressure on investors, on the investor community. I think that, you know, if, if, if investors are, are, are putting money into um, fossil fuel energy sources, I think that we should, you know, put pressure on them as well and let them know that that's not acceptable, that, that, that they should be investing in clean energy. Uh, as well, so that we can do those tough things because there's capital in the pipeline in the system to help fund the research that's needed to to, to make those uh, those tough things uh, to find solutions for those tough problems. We need to develop our own Reddit community and hijack the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, uh, maybe, maybe. You know, uh, I, I would definitely be into it. I know I did. I, I bought stock in GM as soon as I heard the news about them transferring to uh, to all yeah. EV by twenty thirty five. That that instantly got my money. Uh, and so, um, you know, whenever companies decide, and I'm not a big player, I'm, you know, I, I just use cash app to, to, to spend money around. But, um, as, as soon as I hear a company say that they're willing to make a commitment to, to green, uh, to sustainability, um, they are going to likely, you know, get a couple of my, of my coins as a result of that. Yeah. And the more demand we place on the market, the more likely it is they'll keep doing it. So absolutely. Absolutely. We want to reward the good actors for sure. We're going to add that to our list of things we have to do, <laughs> right? We're going to get on the Reddit, the Reddit app and start making things happen. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And if, if listeners are interested in learning a little bit more about divestment from fossil fuels, um, we actually did an episode on that a couple months ago. So you can check that out to kind of learn a little bit more about, you know, how we as consumers can affect that and how businesses can. Um, Jen, did you have any other questions or thoughts? I don't. I just want to thank you for everything that you're doing. I think it's wonderful and we need more of it in this world. So keep going. Great. My pleasure. It's a, uh, it's a pleasure to be able to do something that's mission driven uh, and, uh, and that can also sustain my, uh, my, my family and, my, and our lifestyle here. So, yeah. so it's a yeah. win-win, you know. It's, it's great really work. Yeah. Thank and you. It's thank you much. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to jump back real quick to uh, we were talking about, you know, transitioning to solar and other types of renewable. Um, I think a lot of people have anxiety over, you know, what if the sun's not shining? What what happens then? So can you talk a little bit about battery storage and how that's going to play a major role in the transition? Yeah, I believe the battery storage is going to be a, a game changer um, as it relates to um, modernizing our, our, our electric grid, um, both in Texas as well as nationally. I think that, that once you have a, a tool in place such that, um, for instance, you know, if the sun's not out, um, but the wind is blowing, um, you know, like the wind is blowing at night, the sun is out in the, in the, in the day, um, those energy sources are, are, are fast at work. Um, but what happens when there's excess power generated from both and neither one of those things happen, right? And so um, I will say that um, not only are the solar panels getting cheaper, but they're getting better as well, right? And so before, you know, foggy day or, or dense day, you might not get quite any production out of the panels. Now you'll get more than before, right? And so um, as we're making the improvements to the technologies themselves, we'll find that the production of particularly solar panels uh, will continue to improve, right? 
But in between, though, uh, which is kind of where the cold market sits, right? So on those really peak hot days in the summer and, uh, and, the, and the, uh, the grids at capacity, you know, you, you, you turn those coal units and you're able to kind of uh, um, supplement some of the power needs with, the, with that energy. I think that battery technology is going to have the impact of being able to, um, you know, use the stored energy in the technology and be able to deploy it on the grid uh, such that, you know, it's able to, to, uh, to sustain some of the, the capacity issues from the peak usage times particularly for like in, in Texas in the summer months um, as well. So I do believe that's gonna be a game changer, not just for on the utility scale, um, but also in communities as well. You know, um, one of the um, major energy insecurities in low-income areas is, is power going out, right? And, and the impact on those households when their food goes bad or, you know, when, 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 uh, when, when, those, when those houses aren't able to function um, because you, because the power went out because of a storm of, of some sort. And so, you know, getting to a point where communities as a whole can pull the resources together and have a, have a battery technology system, say it's located at, you know, the church in the community or the community center or something like that. Um, but having that technology kick in when the power goes out because of a bad storm. Um, you know, that could be a life-saving um, uh, opportunity uh, for, for families throughout, the, throughout the, our areas. And so I think, I, I think the, world, the world of batteries, I'm not in the battery financing model business. And so I'm still not sure what the price points are and how to, how to correctly price out uh, that, 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 that resource. Uh, but someone will figure it out and they'll tell me, you know, <laughs> but, but uh, do be on the lookout for a lot more advancements as it relates to, to batteries and like solar, um, the cost of batteries are going down too. And I think that is a big part of it as well. I think there can be a price point where uh, the cost is low enough where battery technology can be deployed more often and in more places. And it's getting more efficient, like solar yeah. panels. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Makes it more, yeah, useful. Exactly. Well, we'll, we'll hit an equilibrium there pretty soon, I believe. Yeah. Any new technology is going to take a while to kind of even out, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, yep. Mm -hmm. So I think we're getting to that point, though. That's that's great. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, I, Steve, I really love what you said about um, just the the leadership that we have or lack of leadership that we have in this area. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really, um, uh, you know, it's a symptom of scientific literacy going away. Um, there's a lot of fear of science now for some reason. Mm -hmm. And um, it's scary that, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. the, that the general public and that a lot of our elected officials don't take it seriously. So mm -hmm. I think um, it's great that, that you guys are doing this work and, um, you know, hopefully, like you said, we can get some people in office, we can get rid of voter apathy and kind of get people to realize how important this stuff is. So yeah, exactly. exactly. We have a new administration now. Things yeah. are getting better. Amen. Amen. It, it only yeah. took 81 million votes to get there. And, you know, which is kind of the scary part of that, you know, it, it, it took a lot of work to get there uh, in the face of, 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 of someone who, who, should not, who should not have been there to begin with. Uh, which kind of speaks to the dilemma that we're in 
uh, and the need to educate on it, on science, on math, uh, uh, and uh, and letting facts prevail uh, in this uh, in this in this world. Yeah. So we can keep it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will say that. Um, even if our elected officials don't seem to always take this seriously, the government itself has implemented a lot of, uh, you know, green practices and, and we're, you know, right next to Fort Hood and, and Jen can mm -hmm. talk to this more than me, but they've, you know, installed, uh, what is it, like 10 football fields worth of solar panels and um, they they use a lot of wind power as well. So, so parts of the government are actually implementing um, renewable energy, which is promising. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, for them, it just made financial sense to do it. I mean, even yeah. if there wasn't any kind of environmental factor, yeah. you know, sometimes greenwashing can come into play for a lot of yeah. industry or, you yeah. know, businesses. But for the longest time, they just, uh, you know, Fort Hood specifically didn't want to buy into the solar because financially just at the time years ago, it didn't make sense mm -hmm. to do it. But when, like you said, the costs went down, mm -hmm. they crunched the numbers and they were able to, to, they didn't even have to like buy it outright. They, like you said, they're just leasing it. And so mm -hmm. they're paying less than they were before for per kilowatt hour. So it just, we're getting there, like, right. Like costs are coming down and it's just, it's becoming competitive with fossil fuel prices. And so it's, it's just a matter of time before we can fully make the transition. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, the goal is to make sure that everyone is making the transition at the same time. And, uh, and, and that's really, you know, I think we should, we should always remain vigilant and, uh, in ensuring that as we continue to deploy more of these resources and, and adopt them for um, for businesses, for governments, for what have you, uh, that we're not leaving people out, uh, particularly those who are on the front lines of air pollution, on the front lines of water pollution, uh, the folks who are impacted the most by CO2 emissions are the ones with the least amount of resources to be able to do anything about it. And so we want to make sure that the resources uh, are accessible for all communities. Definitely. Amen. <laughs> well, Steve, is there anything we didn't talk about that you'd want to mention or any resources you'd share with our listeners that want to learn more? Yeah, um, uh, I think we covered a lot. And I, again, I appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you uh, about this issue, uh, which is my, my life's work and passion. Um, but I would say that uh, if your viewers want to track and follow any organizations that are doing this, this work or similar work, I would, I would definitely refer um, the Texas Energy Poverty Research Institute um, and look them up on, on, on Google, follow them on Twitter. Um, they're a great resource. And, and here in Houston, there's HARP, uh, the Houston Advanced Research Center. Um, and, and they do a lot of good research uh, and, and stuff to follow them as well. They also have a series of webinars and podcasts where you can learn more about the stuff that we're talking about. Great. Well, with that, I guess we'll go ahead and move on to our green life hacks, um, where we give our listeners something that they can do or a product that they can try um, to live more sustainably. So, Steve, do you want to start us out? Uh, yeah, I um, I will start out with my car. Now, I do not have a fancy Tesla or anything like that yet. I am working my way to that. <laughs> Uh, but my, my, my bridge car is a, is a hybrid. 
uh, and it's a, it's a Lincoln hybrid uh, MKV. And it's really cool because it tells you, it gives you real-time information on how much of the battery you're using, how much of the battery you're not using. You know, um, when I break, I'm able to, to charge my battery while I break. Um, and uh, it's a really, really neat feature. And so I say all that to say that I've completely changed my driving habits based on looking at the screen to see how well I do on all these different measurements. And at the end of my, uh, whenever I park the car, it, it, it tells me how well I, 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 dro I, I drove, you know, while, while the car was, uh, was, was turned on. And so uh, it's a really cool thing. It's completely changed the way I drive now. And when I'm in different cars, I'm still thinking about, you know, my braking and my acceleration and all this other cool stuff. That's pretty neat. Yeah, these new cars can do some amazing things. And yeah. I'm looking forward to when I upgrade to a hybrid or an EV someday. Um, Jen, what is your green life hack for this month? Yeah, um, I have so many that I want to share, but I'm going to just keep these for the, the next month. Yeah. But yeah, I would just, I would just say what's on my mind right now is to just buy less. Like we're in such a cycle of like keeping up with the Joneses and feeling like, you know, I need to have this new outfit or I need to have this new car or I, you know, I need, I need, I need the bigger house and all these things. So we're really just kind of like take a minute and really question like before you make a purchase, like if it is an actual thing that you actually need um, physically to survive versus just something that you want so that it's like part of your status or whatever ego, I don't know. <laughs> um, Cause yeah, eventually you're going to have to get rid of it or throw it away, you know, whatever that item might be. Um, so just pay attention to that. That's all I got. Good one. Bye less. Well, mine is um, in keeping with the theme of energy efficiency. Um, and I hope I haven't done this one already, but just unplugging things that you're not using. There's a lot of things that use residual energy even when they're not turned on. Um, so those energy vampires can kind of add up and not only you know use energy, but you know your electric bill uh, goes up because of that. So you know turn off things or or unplug them. Um, I keep my my television and all that stuff turned off because there's just so many lights and everything that go with it. So. Um, that's my suggestion for the month, and it's a pretty easy one to, to help you save a little money. Um, Steve, where can we find you and or your organization online? Yeah, you can find me at, um, what is it, Steve Brown TX um, is my Twitter and Instagram um, uh, uh, handles, I guess is what you call them. Um, but yeah, Steve Brown TX, and as I say that, I am checking. Yep, that's it. That's right. That is me. Uh, so yeah, so on Twitter, Instagram, um, find me there. Uh, Facebook, I have a, um, I have my political page that I never, um, I never deactivated, um, as well as my my personal page. But um, but I believe I'm just Steve Brown Fort Ben on my, on my political page. Um, so. If I start to see people um, joining that page, I promise to post more. Uh, <laughs> I've kind of uh, I've fallen off on, on using that page, but if folks are interested in learning more, I'll definitely post more. Great. And Capital Assets, is that on all your social media sites and 
Yeah, and, and, and LinkedIn, um, if you find me on LinkedIn, I believe uh, the same Steve Brown TX is my handle on LinkedIn as well. You'll be able to get that information about Capital Assets. Okay, great. Is there a website um, you want to plug for the organization? Yeah, uh, it's capcleanenergy.com, C-A-P, cleanenergy.com. Great. Yeah, so check them out, learn more, and see how you can get involved in the movement. Uh, and, yeah. and, uh, and my email address um, is just um, sbrown at capcleanenergy.com. So if you have any questions uh, about anything that you heard tonight, um, feel free to just email me. Uh, I, I would love to, uh, to, to visit with you. Great. Thank you for that. Um, Jen, where can we find you online? Anywhere? You can find me here at Sustainably Geeky. <laughs> this has become a running joke. She's not active on much of the social media sites. Ah, <laughs> I try to unplug as much as possible because I'm literally like on my computer for 10 hours a day. So it's like, yeah. I don't want to do anything on my free time that has to deal with <laughs> no being plugged calling. in. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Well, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Het's Gonna Be Me. And you can find the show at Sustainably Geeky um, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, you can also go to epicallygeeky.com slash sustainably-geeky. And um, of course, we're on all of the podcast sites. Um, so please check us out wherever you listen to podcasts um, on, on iTunes. You can um, give us a five-star rating if you like the show and subscribe. Uh, helps us uh, move up on the the list of shows that they show people. Um, and if you guys ever have any questions, reach out to us um, with questions or topic suggestions. Steve, thanks again for being on. We really uh, enjoyed the talk and I know I learned a lot. So great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And to everyone listening, have a great rest of your day. has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network.